So I opened the LA Times this morning. On the front page, I see this uh, more devastating news. Um, the city council got together and decided they would have a virtual meeting rather than let people in because of the temperature out there, if you know what I mean. And uh, <coughs> so they removed all the chairs and the podium and microphone so that even if people did get in, they couldn't go up and speak. And they started their meeting, and then the doors burst open as this crowd of people ran in. And the first quote I see is this angry face, this man screaming and saying, <coughs> if we don't do something before January 20th, everything is going to go to you know where. We're going to lose everything. This didn't happen in Washington, D.C. It happened in Shasta, California. OMG, exactly. Oh, my God. Shasta. Good Lord. <coughs> this is my biggest fear, that people are losing faith. And if we listen to these scriptures today, and listen to Jesus, who says it all the time, don't be afraid. Have faith. Faith is what fills us and keeps us on an even keel. It gives us a sense of direction. It lets our feet walk on something firm. There's an expression about a tipping point. And the tipping point is like if you put in one more drop of water, it's going to tip. We're going to lose everything. It's going to tip over. A tipping point is when you completely lose balance. So I think uh, it's miraculous on one level uh, that it happened this way because all of this nonsense that happened in Washington, D.C. happened on the Feast of the Epiphany. Now, we celebrated Epiphany on Sunday just to make it convenient for the church, not our church, the worldwide church, that's what we do. But the actual Feast of the Epiphany was last Wednesday. A manifestation of God. That's what it was. A manifestation of God by the light of the star that pointed, here's our Savior. If we listen to the scripture... Uh, this is so powerful, this first reading from Isaiah, because it's talking about the prophet who is coming to bring about justice. And this is the image. It says, the, the Lord says this, Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one with whom I am pleased. We'll hear that many times. Upon whom I have put my spirit. So here's this, this servant of mine. I put my spirit on him. He shall bring forth justice to the nations. But how is the important thing? How will he do it? Not crying out, not shouting, not making his voice heard in the street. Maybe more like a whisper in the heart. That was my part I added. A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoldering wick he shall not quench until he establishes justice on the earth. We don't have it here. We have this candle, but in the church when we have those candles. And <clears throat> if I were to blow the candle out and it was smoldering, it, it was glowing red, but it wasn't out yet completely, it says a, a smoldering wick, wick, he wouldn't crush that. He, he would speak justice on this level so deep within us that it calls us to truth. It calls us to truth. You know... They say, and I think it's true, that politics, um, it should be about finding the common good. It's not about winning and losing. 
It's not about who wins the office or who wins and stays in the office. It's not about winning and losing it because it's not about the person. That person is there to serve us. We're, we're not there to elect that person so that person can stay where they want to stay. It's not about them. And then when they're all together, it's not about winning or losing my proposal. I have to win. It's about seeking the common good. That's why we, and it, it is a, it's a slow, ponderous way of going about it, but that's why people uh, come together, two different parties, and they say, it should be this way, and they say, oh no, it should be this way, and they push for this way, and then they push for this way, and then they begin to, what do they call it, uh, uh, compromise. Okay, uh, we hear your point. Uh, we'll give you a little of this, but give us a little of that. And then they work toward this point where they can say, we all can agree on this. It's a slow process. Hey, isn't that what you do in marriage? Somebody says, no, I want it to be this way. And then the spouse says, no, uh, it's got to be this way, the exact opposite. No, this way, no, this way. And then you, you come to peace and you, come on, let's, let's compromise then. Let's each get a little bit out of this. That's life. That's life. But we're not living that. Last night I had a baptism and I mentioned this story because, you know, when I read the scriptures and, and I start listening inside about wha what is this about and what's it connect to? And I have to work with something I'm familiar with. I say, well, how, how does it connect in my own life? And of course that phrase in, in, in at least two of the readings and in the prayer, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is what God is saying. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So I was in a market in South Central when I was serving down there. Very poor area. They said the ghetto. It was the ghetto. But it was an amazing place. And I'm in the market. And I realize this is cultural. has to do with poverty too and, and all kinds of influences. But I'm standing in the aisle and probably about four feet away from me. This woman shouts, Jimmy! God, I almost fainted. I, she just screamed. She says, you get over here or I'm going to kick your... That, you know, screaming this. Yeah, that dog even heard it. Screaming this. I, I couldn't believe my ears. How embarrassing. Everybody was looking. I was staring. I, uh, wow. How did that kid feel right there? I don't think that kid said, I'm a beloved son of my mother. <laughs> I don't think he said that. I don't think he could have felt that. I wonder what he was feeling. How embarrassing. My father wouldn't have done that to me. He wouldn't have let everybody in the whole store know our business. He'd have come over and knuckled me right in the head. That's enough. Knock it off. Nobody would have even seen it. Wow. But people in church, in government, in society, even in the home. People who have responsibility sometimes are not very responsible with their words and their actions. But we have to be. We have to be. And so we also have to be careful how we respond to all this nonsense of this past week. Because I've talked to a lot of people that feel such hatred now and a want revenge and, and have come to a point of despair. Uh, they, they're sickened by what they've seen. <clears throat> they're afraid we're going to lose our democracy. 
It's scary. But we can't lose faith and we can't lose hope. I happen to find out something new about this feast. I <coughs> understand that it used to be celebrated with uh, and on the Epiphany. The Epiphany was not only the birth, but also the baptism of the Lord. <coughs> Even though they were separated in time, it was just the, the way it was celebrated. And then it got separated. It became the end of the Christmas season, not Epiphany. Um, and uh, what I found out new yesterday when I was reading about it is that, um, and I think it's true, that it's not a manifestation, but they call it a theophany, <coughs> a theophany, this feast, because all the three persons of the Blessed Trinity are revealed in this gospel reading. Uh, it says that Jesus, Jesus, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, came to the waters to be baptized, and um, the heavens were torn open, and a dove, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God in the form of a dove, came over, rested over Jesus, and then... The third person, but the first person really, God our Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we get this reading with God as Father, Son, and Spirit at this baptism scene of the Lord. But the, the operative, most important thing that happens is that this voice says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And it takes on even more importance for us is because it's not just looking at an event that happened 2,000 some years ago. But rather, it looks at and it is echoed in each of our own baptism. We got to see it last night. We, we, we blessed this person as they <clears throat> were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, anointed with the Holy Spirit of God in the oil that was placed on her head. <clears throat> and God surely said, this is my beloved daughter. And this is what he says to each of us. So the question becomes, not what God says, but what we hear. If we don't hear that we are God's beloved sons and daughters, who are we and where are we? What are we doing here? If we don't believe that we are beloved sons and daughters of God and anointed with God's Holy Spirit, then this is just ridiculous. This is a waste of an hour. We must believe that. We must believe that. You know, <clears throat> our choir there, little choir, was singing the responsorial psalm, God will give us his peace forever, something like that. Yeah. Hmm, do we believe that? Is he going to distribute and pour into us his peace right now after this last week? Is he going to pour his spirit of peace into us on January 17th when there's a threat of something worse? Is he going to pour his peace all over us on January 20th and the 21st and the 22nd? <clears throat> Woody Allen, in uh, one of his films, quotes scripture and then reinterprets it right before our eyes. He's quoting Isaiah, more or less, when he says, The lion will lie down with the lamb. The lion will die, lie down with the lamb. And, and this part of Isaiah is trying to tell us that when God gives his peace, he can even make peace. And it's an image between an animal that would eat this animal, an animal that would run from this animal, but he will have them lying down together in peace. What an image. But Woody Allen gets real then. He says, the lion will lie down with the lamb, but the lamb won't get much peace. <laughs> That's the truth. 
But the other is the truth also. God will give us his peace forever. So again, the question isn't what God's going to do, it's what we're going to do with it. Are we going to be as a people of a people of peace, a people of faith, at this very moment, regardless of what we feel or felt about this last week, are we going to open ourselves to God's peace? Are we going to hear his voice saying, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, you, you, are we going to hear that? And are we going to let that deep into our heart and be the thing that transforms us? Not what happened last week, transform us into hate, into fear. But hear the voice of our God saying, I will give you peace. You are my beloved. And please me, please me. How do we please our God? By, by being like our God. And John, we've been hearing it for two weeks and every morning of the last two weeks, listening to the first letter of John. And he says it so bluntly, John. God is love. He or she who lives in love lives in God, and God lives in him or her. And then John finally says, wherever there is love, there is God. We want to be well-pleasing to our God. We must be a people of love.